Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Nick Davis! Nick Davis! I don't believe it! I see it, but I don't believe it! Hello and welcome to the return of I See It But I Don't Believe It. I am Gemma Bastiani and today I'm so privileged to be talking to someone who took time out during leave while they're camping to speak to me about this. Um, And I wore a maroon hoodie just in honour of that. I'll be honest, I didn't actually mean to do that. I've just noticed that I'm doing that. (laughs) But today I'm joined by the incredible Bree Brock, who is the women's CEO of the Brisbane Lions, who famously won their first AFLW flag this year. Bree, thank you so much for joining me. No problem. Happy to be here. For those who don't know what it means to be the women's CEO of the Brisbane Lions, can you give us a brief overview of what you do, which I know is everything, but uh, maybe slightly more detailed than that? <laughs> um, well, it, it is everything. Um, I'm the only full-time employee that we have in our program. We, um, everybody else is part-time, um, whether that's uh, three days a week in season or four days a week or out of season might be one day a week but um, essentially um, from a full-time perspective it's just me my head coach is currently uh, living in Switzerland so his <laughs> wife works in Switzerland and um, getting him in and out of the country is um, a challenge but uh, we'll get there hopefully and then um, yeah the rest of the staff are sort of to the wind a little bit and then um, so almost the off season is harder for me because I kind of, we go back to kind of two or three of us um, that are around the place as compared to kind of 20. Yeah. Um, but in, in season, you know, have an incredible team who make up this program and, uh, and drive, drive our standards and, you know, um, do all that type of stuff. And I, and I just kind of say, right, has everything been done and check in that, um, most things are done and, and I kind of am the dog's body who does all the things that that gets left behind and, you know, <laughs> carry the drinks when they need to be done and the bags and all that kind of stuff. So um, it's, it tr- truly, it's a team effort from all of us, even the girls, you know, when we pull up and, and um, get off a bus and unload stuff, it's one in all in sort of with us. So um, there's no one sort of really left one out to do heaps on their own so I'm very very blessed to have such a good group around me but yeah it it does um essentially mean you you do a lot of the stuff yourself but that's okay I I mean I I feel like what you said actually indicates 
the on-field performance as well that we will get to in a moment. But um, I should clarify with the listeners who haven't read uh, Kirby Fenwick's and my deep dive into Queen, uh, the development of women's footy in Queensland on Siren Sport. I actually had the privilege of speaking to you this time last year. Um, and you, you, my chat with you was the very first interview I did for that piece. And it set it up so beautifully. And, and your history throughout developing women's footy and programs within Queensland is really important. So I urge all of our listeners to go back and read that because you'll have more of an understanding of just how important Brie is, uh, just to make her feel really uncomfortable on this chat right now. <laughs> um, but that was such a... That, that is very such... awkward. <laughs> no one can see you. It's okay. <laughs> um, that gave us such insight into what you've been doing at Clubland as well. Obviously with your relationships with Craig Stasevich, the head coach and a few others, but you've been there in the trenches for a long time. So you are women's footy through and through. And I think that definitely had an impact on how the, the club came together and you've been there from the start. And you mentioned you're one in all in and it's a team effort. And I think in terms of you winning the AFL flag this year, AFLW flag this year, that has been the overarching kind of theme, hasn't it? hundred percent. I think um, it, it just had such a, you know, kind of fairy tale, such a cliched kind of way to describe something. But, you know, it wasn't sort of, you know, just me who's been there from the beginning, particularly at Brisbane Lions. You know, obviously we've got our foundation eight players that, you know, they're the ultimate ones. We've got to go out there and make it happen and do it. Um, but, you know, some of our trainers have been been with us for the whole five seasons, coaches as well, physios, doctors, staff. I mean, um, for since day one, you know, every, every single game that we win, every single person that's in our change rooms sit, comes in and sings our song without fail. Even if you're in there as a sponsor, just coming in to have a look, everybody's in because it does take everybody to get the girls out on the park, not just the players. So we... And, you know, if you've ever played footy, I mean, 95% of the reason why you play is to sing the song at the end of a win and have that euphoric feeling with your teammates of what you just accomplished. And I have just always felt that that's important for everyone in the program to feel that sense of belonging and feel that sense of togetherness and that we're achieving this together as a group. And so, yeah, that's why that's why we do that. Um, and, you know, like to be sitting there in those change rooms. Actually, we all sang it together out on the field um, and just looking at everyone's faces of everyone that that meant so much to, you know, it's not just me who's tried so hard. Everybody has tried so hard to get us there. So uh, I just find that the more we include people, the more we spread that love of togetherness and belonging, the better we're getting. And I think that was sort of this year was we really nailed um, how we go about that, you know, culturally. Yeah. Something comes to mind constantly whenever um, I think of the Brisbane Lions now. And there's a, there was a moment in the grand final where Emily Bates tapped the ball out in, on top of the forward 50 arc and it got into the hands of Kathy Spark. She kicked it long into the goal square and it resulted in Lauren Arnell's goal in her final game of AFLW. And that passage of play to me is what Brisbane is and it's the all in mm. supporting one another aspect of things instead of individual glory, which I think is brilliant. You know, it's something, 
I guess, you know, privately it really irks us when people always say, oh, you know, Brisbane don't have any superstars in their team. They're just a really great team across the board. And we're like, huh? Um, don't you know who Emily Bates is and Ali Anderson and Kathy Spark? And, you know, we, we feel like we just have so many of them that they're all amazing. Um, you know, Courtney Horner burst onto the scene this year. You know, she's going to be huge. Dakota Davidson has another great year. Like, we just feel like they're everywhere. And so, you know, um, the girls really use that to drive them because uh, they, um, I guess everybody wants to earn respect in the competition that they play in. And, and eternally, we're always like, oh, they won't win a game. Brisbane finished last. You know, it were, it'll be interesting to see how people talk about us this year. <laughs> Maybe we'll we'll have a chance of playing finals. I don't know. <laughs> um, but it, it is, and that's 100% is always team first attitude, no matter if it's training, um, playing, how can you bring your teammate into the game, um, all those types of things. And it's been really interesting seeing the girls um, really live the values that we've been working on over the last kind of three years and it's sort of it's all just really clicked and and settled at a point with the behaviors and and words and stuff that that we use that um really exemplified this particular group so yeah it's um it that that i mean for me it was it was really that chase down tackle of kathy's on um concert i mean incredible where does she come from she's like, like you can't see away. her in the camera <laughs> shot in the shot yeah yeah Sorry, so man. that for me is like we're, we're we've basically got the game in hand but she's tried to you die you know yeah. um there's no way we're getting and kick another goal and this is you know i'm gonna get her and you just see that look on her face and you're like wow what a competitor. So I think, you know, then she does something like that and not the rest of the team gets inspired by that. And that's sort of how we, they feed off each other, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you mentioned um, the efforts over the past three years, the values that you are trying to instill. Obviously much of the talk about Brisbane has been about the players you have lost to expansion and then the need to rebuild a list after having been in two grand finals straight off the bat. You lost 19 Mm -hmm. players, I think the number is, who started at Brisbane and moved to other clubs over that period of time. What was the internal messaging in terms of, going forward from that having lost those players what was the internal messaging as to how to recover from those losses um well the first thing we did was got the group um that chose to stay together our original gangsters is what we called them (laughs) and um they essentially you know just became the pseudo leadership group for that um period of time probably hack with the four girls who went to um north melbourne you know, they, that wasn't supposed to happen with those girls going going to North. And um, it, it was more just going through with them that we were on the right path, that what, what we were choosing to do and what we were trying to get people to understand was you're going to play good football here and you're going to get better. And that's partly why people have been targeted and why you're being targeted is because you've turned into a, to a good player. So keep the faith don't worry, we'll find some extra teammates. Um, and then we were really lucky to have that winter series. Yep. So we got, that's where we got our kind of group together. The girl, Well, the girls finished that season and they went and played Quaffle. And um, I, I don't know if you know this, but we, we don't 
have a list manager. Myself and Craig do all the list management. Which is and wild. Primarily. That's wild. <laughs> well, you know, it's a bit different for us. We're state-based draft. Yeah. So we are committed to supporting and growing and developing Queensland talent. So that's where we're going to get most of our players from. Um, if we need to look outside the state, we will, if there's a gap that can't be filled by talent within it. But we have always felt that we've been able to, through our talent pathway, keep delivering players that are at the standard and at AFLW level. So we've we've sort of never wavered from that. And, and we thought, okay, well, we'll keep going back to the world that keeps giving. And um, <laughs> we were lucky to have that that winter series um, where, you know, the girls had played quaffle and then they got to come and do this program. And, you know, honestly, our, our best recruiters are our players because they're playing black at Clubland. We've got out of the eight um, quaffle clubs, our players are spread across six of those clubs. So we have a pretty good um, handle on, you know, who's who at what club and, the girls will be constantly into Craig. Oh, have you seen this girl? Have you seen that girl? Oh, I reckon she's okay. And then we might go, oh, we've watched this girl. What do you girls think? No, nah, no good. Doesn't work hard enough. Bad attitude. Because they're right up close to them. You know, they're, they're, they're for us the best gauge of are these players going to fit with us? Because the fits probably become the most important thing. Yeah, Are they going to fit within the culture of the group? Yeah, so... Um, that's sort of how it rolled into that winter series. And, you know, we put some pieces of the puzzle together, academy kids, you know, girls who were playing really good quaffle, people we thought had potential. And we had this winter series and it was sort of like the kind of healing that we needed, A, because we could all get back together as a group pretty quickly. And then we had all these new people who were just super excited to be around the Lions and be part of it that you were sort of, sort of gave you a bit um because because honestly we felt like we'd been kicked in the guts a hundred times and that you know was it us are we are we like bad at our jobs <laughs> or are we yeah. not doing right you know um so to to then have this freshness of oh man it's Brisbane Lions you guys are awesome we were like oh okay cool let's let's see what these girls have got and then and we just had a ball and pretty much nearly all of them um, came into our team. But it gave us a look at how the personalities would all fit, how it would all kind of gel together. And um, we played then that 2020 series and uh, or season. Um, and we were sort of like, oh, okay, we've, we've got a lot, of, a lot to work with here. And even though um, we got done by Carlton in the, the first final just before the, the season got finished, or sorry, was cancelled. Yeah. Um, we sort of, it was sort of kind of good because you walked away going, okay, well, look, our season was finished anyway. Um, but there's a lot to work with here and we've got a lot of talent that we can keep um, working with. And they all came away from that season going, oh, right, this is actually really good. Yeah. The group just, you know, they love each other. They want to hang out with each other. They're socialised together. They're very, very tight. So um, that was sort of the beginnings of it. But it wasn't, um, yeah, it was it was pretty hard going through that expansion phase where you were just like crying on the phone going, Oh my God, what's happening. <laughs> um, but in the, in the end, you know, we, we felt like it, the people who did end up leaving um, chose their own reasons, but the people we got in through that process have, have made us better. So it's been, 
probably an absolute blessing in a way that that all of that happened because otherwise we wouldn't have had Greta Bodie and we wouldn't have had Dakota Davidson and Maria Maloney and all these girls that came Jade through Ellinger. that just really Jade Ellinger, Talia Hickey, yeah. you know, they're all the kids that came through. So um, it just, yeah, Kathy Spark. You I know? mean, so <laughs> yeah, um, you know, it, she's only just getting started. So right, yeah. it's terrifying, honestly. Um, mm. Externally, mm. it seems like the expansion, as much as it was incredibly difficult at, at the time it allowed you as a club to maybe refocus on local talent, which is where you and Craig both came from as well, having come from um, AFL Queensland and working on those talent pathways. And that kind of resulted in, you know, picking up a Courtney Hodder when she was ready to return to footy. Do you think that that was maybe a, a mental shift as well, was to refocus on the local talent in that way? Not, not really, because the, the external talent that we got in, I think, you know, I think in the previous bit, you know, we'd had Lauren Arnell and Rianne Lug, and that was probably about it, you know, coming from interstate. But what it what it did do was just reinforce to us that um, we felt confident enough in our ability and our program to develop people and get them quickly to the level that's required, but we had to find the right people. And we had to make sure that, you know, if we had this personality type it didn't you know muck up these five personality types do you know what I mean like just looking at the group as more of a puzzle and how is somebody going to fit into that puzzle piece now look it's not always perfect and we still don't always get 100% right but probably in the very first year you know it was kind of talent over character because it essentially it was our state team plus some ring-ins you know yeah um and, and then we were probably more able to focus on that, that Queensland stuff, like you said, as we went along. Um, but it's getting harder and harder to do that now because we've got a competitor in the market who's also pinching Queensland talent. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it becomes tighter and tighter for that. So we rely more heavily on our academies. Um, but we also haven't had to be replacing as many players. So I, I don't know if you remember in the early days, you know, you had to give up like 10 players yeah in the in the early days you couldn't keep everybody locked in because they wanted player movement but you know now you can keep 27 players if you want to and go to the draft with three three changes so um that stability is also been key i think that we went from 2020 to this um afl5 with basically the same the same team Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. 
If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You just mentioned 2020. It was definitely a building year, as you touched on, starting the season really strongly and then maybe fading away a little bit as it went on. But that's mm. that was kind. That should have been a warning sign for the competition that you're ready to go because that is typically the sign in footy that a young side is building and and going to hit the ground running mm. the next year. And I think it's mm. um, remiss of a lot of media, particularly Victorian-based media, to not have seen that coming um, mm. because it definitely was an indicator, especially if you look statistically at your 2020 season coming out and beating Adelaide in that first game. I don't think anyone expected Mm. that. And it just kind of rolled from there. Um, So Mm. let's, let's talk about 2021 because this is the premiership year. The first (laughs) thing that stood out to me as someone who loves numbers and, and you're well aware of that was the fact that across rounds one, two, and three, not only did you win three consecutive games, but you actually broke scoring records. So in previous seasons, you had kicked 60-plus points just once, and you did it twice back-to-back in rounds two and three, um, which was, I think, a sign that your forward half had definitely adjusted and developed. You had Dakota Davidson end- ending the season with 16 goals, which was equal with Darcy Vessio, who won the goal-kicking award. You had Greta Bodie and Courtney Hodder both kick nine. They were first and second-year players in the comp. Jesse Wardlaw and Jess Wushner kicked six each. So did was that a structure that you knew was coming? You just needed that extra year of development in a few of those players? Um, well, in rounds one to three, I guess Wush wasn't selected. Yeah. She didn't play until the Perth game. Yeah. Um, so if you take, and at that point in time, so in preseason, I was looking at some numbers because like <laughs> you I like numbers and you know in our uh, whole history just Wushner's kicked 29 of our goals and like the next person six goals yeah. you know yeah. because Conway, you know right? the Sabs and people like that yeah. uh I think I think it was Jesse Wardlaw maybe oh, was maybe the next, Conway next was one, the one in, previous. in line yeah. and um I'm saying okay yeah well uh better get some of these other forwards to be kicking <laughs> goals because it's sort of it, it had been a major issue for us but it, it was always not a bugbear, but, you know, we just needed to kick more goals. We got lots of inside 50s. We got a lot of the footy, but we always seem to turn it over forward half. And um, I think that's probably where the difference is coming from in your, I think Rada Bodie had something like 21 score assists yeah. this year. Massive. By memory. Um, like, so she's not kicking a heap, but she's really helping setting up a lot. And then Courtney Hodder's forward 50 pressure is ridiculous. You know, how many tackles she's getting forward 50. So she's getting another look at having a shot. So the other thing that, that happened too was the um, recruitment of Taylor Smith. Yes. So we've gone from two tools now to three tools. And through pre-season, um, because when we re- originally got Taylor, I, I was like, you know what? Let's let's turn her into a defender. Let's make her like a big Harris Andrews. You know, let's let's change it for this kid because she she'd not had much success at, at the Suns in cracking into the team. She she had some interrupted preseason and just wasn't looking like it was all gonna like falling into her lap as a forward. And I thought, why don't we give her a year as a defender? Anyway, then we start training. No, no, no. We'll, we'll keep her as a forward because she was just red hot through training. Um, 
And then I was in areas about, you know, come on, we, we should be playing three tall forwards. Let, let's try it. Who, who's, got, who's got a defence that can go with three tall forwards? You know, uh, and, you know, shut up, Brianna. Just leave the coaching to us. I'm like, plant the seed early, let it grow. And so then, then you know, she just earned her spot and deserved to play. So that then really changed that forward half structure because if they put their best defender on Dax, that's great. Jesse Wardlaw can get off the chain. Um, then if they put, you know, two good defenders on those two, then that's great. Take and be the tall target that gets off the chain. Then you've got a Terrier running around there that's so fast, so quick. You've got Courtney in there. And then you've got a wise head like Laws in there as well. Greta's in there. And so the mix just started to be really dynamic and really dangerous. And um, they got a lot of confidence out of those first three rounds. You mentioned Taylor Swift. She did have that breakout game where she kicked three goals, but she also was able to assist the hickey in the ruck for much of the year as well, which allowed mm-hmm. her to sit forward for a lot more of that as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. She she just, like, that's the beauty of, of Tay. She's such a good athlete. You know, yeah. she can run all day. She's powerful. She, she sort of, um, and the mix of Talia and Taylor is very different. So the other ruck, generally on other teams who's rocking all day is then like what's going on this this girl's completely different to the other girl so um it, yeah she's a very versatile player which um yeah just gives tiles that little chop out <clears throat> and then and jesse wardler sometimes goes in there as well so having them all fit up and about and able to play you know various roles um has been it not just with the tools it's been with everybody is just be prepared to play anywhere because we don't know what's going to happen yeah you know on grand final day when Zilks does a hamstring and we go, Oh, Jade, you're going back. Yep. No worries. And off she goes. Um, so that versatility has been a big theme this year. I think work rate is also a thing that uh, comes to mind when we think of the Lions this year. And the person that I, if anyone listened to any of the podcasts I did during the season, you'll have heard me talk about Dakota Davidson because I couldn't speak highly enough of her work rate mm-hmm. and willingness to do the things that maybe didn't give her the praise, but did the thing for the yeah. team. Um, we've heard the yeah. stories about how last season she would sit there and watch how Daniel Rich played and his running patterns and things like that, which is all really important and awareness of the footy. Um, but it was the little tap-ons that she was doing this season and her yeah. tackle mm-hmm. pressure in the forward half and her fitness mm-hmm. to get further up the ground and, run harder was that something that was yeah. really apparent in pre-season that yeah she's ready to go uh before pre-season in quaffle yeah but primarily for us that's where all their work is done really it's in that period of time between aflw they go back to community footy that's where they're going to get their development from because by the time you get to pre-season it's it's too late you, yeah. you need to already be at aflw fitness i've got eight weeks like it's nothing from an athletic yeah. development point of view. You, you can't do much. So if you're not arriving at where you left off, if not above, yep. you're chasing tails. So they all, um, and look, put COVID in the mix there and the girls were lucky enough to get a season in, right? So they all took that opportunity with both hands and her in particular, her quaffle season that, that um, last year, 2020 was unreal and you could see the um like she writes stuff on her wrist yeah. every time and she rang me up this day to say right and she normally gets it off her dad right yeah. and she rings up oh, jace is busy i can't get on to him i need something 
need something for my rest. Anyway, we, we just had this long talk and I'm saying to her, you know, do you think any of the defenders in Quapul are working as hard as what you're working, like in the gym with your running, with everything that you're putting into it? And she's like, oh, yeah, probably not, unless they're maybe other AFLW players. And I said, so, so in these games, you ought to win your position. You should be winning all your one-on-one contests, right? You are the key forward in the Quaffle. Like, go and win your one-on-ones. Oh, yeah. Radio. Eh? Like, I don't know if you've spoken to Zach. She's a car. No, I so haven't. I really yeah. want to. Like. Yeah. <laughs> she's classic. Just the way she talks. You know, she's just so animated. She loves it. She just is so keen to get better. Um, and so then she just started having these kind of not – um, you know, it's just small goals within games, you know, when you're one-on-ones, dominate the contests, you know, don't miss set shots, all those sorts of things. And all of that came to fruition then in her waffle season. So, you know, we tell them to wear blue in the face, do not stuff up your off-season. Like your yeah. off-season is where all your work is done. The queue's not in the rack. You're not sitting on the couch eating pizza. you got to work even harder. Um, and thankfully for us, most of them listen. <laughs> and they <laughs> came back this um, this this um 2021 season just in ripping shape and this is why we never call them part-time athletes because they're not they're full-time athletes but are paid as part-time athletes anyway i just wanted to make a point (laughs) so that's the first three rounds and yes dakota davidson i adore her with my whole heart um watching her play is so joyous uh we get to round four and you're playing Adelaide at home and it's your first loss of the season. There mm-hmm. were ha, watching the game. It's very easy for me to sit there and say, they're doing this. This is what they need to change for next time. Internally. Do you think what you learned in this game set you up for the second half of the season, in particular, the grand final against that same opposition? Well, internally, I mean, look, there was a few things we were mucking up with, you know, kicking it out numbers and stuff like that. Like we could have, made some better decisions, particularly to win the game in that last quarter. We just kept bombing it to the same place. We didn't switch the footy and we made some mistakes in that area. But predominantly the big thing was like red time. You know, we got, I think, three goals kicked on us in the last minute of three quarters or something. And Erin Phillips plays like the game of her life. Kicked four goals. That was one of of the sad, sad things of that round. I think there was a game in that round that was bigger or better or something. And we were all a bit sad for Erin because she dominated that game for her team and, and, you know, was the star that I don't think she played better through the year than she did in that game. Yeah. Like she was, we couldn't beat her, you know, um, we could beat the rest of the team around her, <laughs> but her was like, oh, somebody else going here. Um, so, so that, that was one of the standout performances we thought, of not just like the year, like of her career, like um, we just thought she was amazing that day. So knowing that or that what she did, we thought, you know what, they're gettable yeah. because she can't play like that again, surely, hopefully. <laughs> um, and the fact that we had some lapses of con- concentration in the very back ends of quarters that, that cost us goals that shouldn't, shouldn't have cost us. So we thought, oh, well, if you took out those three goals, that were at the end of the first, second and third quarter, well, we actually win the game. Yeah. So we took a lot of confidence out of it that we, 
yep, had to fix some things up. We had two injuries through that game too. Shannon Campbell came off and Lily Postlethwaite did her knee in that game. Mm. So that that just sort of threw things around a bit. That meant Indy Tahu played a bit more, but it meant Indy Tahu played a bit more and we got to see more of her and she stood up in some moments and did some things where everybody went, hmm, okay. That wasn't as bad as what we thought or, you know, <laughs> she's actually got some ice in her veins, that kid, you know. Um, so, you know, with every negative, you try and find some positives and, and we've actually felt quite okay. And it, like weirdly, we probably didn't handle the heat as, as well as what they did because um, people always assume, oh, but you're in it all the time. And we're like, yeah, but we don't train in it. We train at nighttime, you know. Yeah. We don't have daylight savings in Brisbane. So we're, we're training in the dark, you know. When it comes to in in season, we're just as um, not used to it as as everybody else. It was like thirty four degrees and ninety five percent humidity, and it was just gross. But you know they handled it better. Yeah, but yeah, we sort of thought, all right, well, if she's got to have the game of her season to to beat us, we we can we can stick with these guys because it was sort of we'd had some easier games the first three, um, and so you kind of didn't know where you sat. Yeah, like we thought. Oh, we've had such two huge wins. Mm, don't you know? Don't think you're all that and a bag of chips because you know some harder teams are coming, and, and you just don't know. With AFLW lists change so much, and mm. form can change so quickly. It's not like you've got this steady body of work, particularly early. So anyway, we we didn't d- dwell on it too much, and thought um, and t- we were really happy with Talia Hickey as well. What she was doing in the yeah. ruck, so. The kids were, you know, showing some good signs. Bell Dawes was starting to really get her gears going and mm. even even though we thought she was all, you know, she's always been a great kid, um, there was just some good little signs of, oh, all right, everyone's tracking in the right direction. It's funny you mention um, the uh, easier games or perceived easier games in the first three rounds and not knowing where you stand because I remember – um, I tweeted something about the scoring that we just talked about after those first three mm-hmm. rounds. And there are a lot of people that were very quick to respond to say, oh, but look who they've played. But mm-hmm. you also need to compare it to previous years because, yeah, it might have been against, who was it, Gold Coast and Richmond and West Coast. But in previous years mm-hmm. against those same sides, you still didn't score that much or you weren't able to get off the leash mm-hmm. like that. So I think it was still an indication yeah. Um, but I think people are really quick to say, look who they've played um, instead of looking at yeah. the bigger picture as well. But let's talk about the red time because you went off this first loss um, in round four with that obviously being an internal focus. The next week you come up against Fremantle who are on a winning streak, the longest in AFLW history. You're playing them over in Fremantle where they're almost unbeatable. Um, and they're a team who historically, since Trent Cooper probably came to the club at the start of 2019, have been a side that don't get scored against late in games. So they are strong at the thing that you focused on being the problem from the week prior. And you break their streak, beating them, and it includes you kicking important goals in red time of that game. That kind of flip from one to the other was just remarkable. How much of that spurred you in the second half knowing you could do that? Well, this particular game was uh, we plan 
we beat Fremantle in the first year when we played them. And we were the first Brisbane Lions team to beat a team over there in like 12 years or something. <laughs> so um, we knew we could beat them over there. We just hadn't done it in a, in a while. I think we'd, we've been there three times out of the five years. They've only been over here once. So going there, we were like, right. And every year we travel there, we try to crack the code, right? How do you do the time difference? You know, because it's quite a significant difference for us. Yeah. Um, how do you, whatever, right? So we put our um, in pre well, off-season planning, you know, our, our how we're going to win in the West kind of thing. So we, we had all that sort of sorted out and we thought, you know, we'll throw everything at it and we'll, we'll do our best. And, you know, um, the part that we thought, um, we looked at, I guess, and no disrespect to Frio, Trent's probably going to ring me up, and, but we looked at the people that they'd played in this yep. winning streak. You know, like if you remember the game against St Kilda, right? They won that, that game off a 50-metre penalty, with you one know, point. on yep. the death knell of the game, right, with one point. So we're like, well, they kind of didn't really win that game. Collingwood, I think, only just lost to them by a goal or not much earlier over there like there had been some teams that had really challenged them and really put them under the pump and they'd played a lot of games at home Mm -hmm. that hadn't traveled much so I guess we were sort of singing the song to the girls that haven't really been challenged yet and they haven't really played Brisbane Lions yet so what are you going to throw at them and we sort of um well in games in past that we've played them you know they're a really physical team and they they let you know about it and, um, you know, they're not rough. That's not the right way to say, but, you know, it, it's, a, it's a big physical battle out there. Yeah. And, and we just encourage the girls to just not let themselves kind of get overawed by that or get sucked into that or, you know, don't let yourself get bullied. Just get the footy and let's just bring it on. And I suppose all of that preparation and the plan that we'd done in the way that we prepared them for the game too meant that they were as fresh as they could possibly be. Mm-hmm. So we just put them out with their best foot forward and then they did all the work. You know, <laughs> they, you know, our, our game, our game plan is, is, um, you know, fit fairly straightforward, but people were like, Oh, they've cracked the code of Frio. And we were like, Oh, we're just, it was just two teams going head to head, just battling it out. And, you know, they, they held us as much as we held them. And, you know, Courtney Hodder was back home playing in front of her family, which was a huge, you know, emotional kind of lift for her. And she nearly kicked that first goal. Yeah. Um, I think she hit the post and there was another weird one that got called not a goal and a 50 meter penalty called from it. And, um, but it was it was the first game that I think we were playing in like what seemed like cooler heat as well. Or oh, actually, yeah. no, Richmond was pretty heat. But from, compared to from the week before in the, the 34 degree oven, um, they felt pretty fresh. So, you know, then we chuck Ali Anderson sort of forward for the last, you know, Hail Mary and she just does what she does. And um, that was that was pretty we haven't done that before in games, like put our head down to win it right at the end at the death. We've let games slip before two grand finals. (laughs) That's that Ali Anderson goal just replays in my head over and over again. Cause it, it was like, it felt like a changing of the guard almost because last year you went over there and you lost to Frio and the season kind of, I wouldn't say derailed, but you weren't as strong Mm. after that. 
Whereas this year, mm. the opposite happened. You got the win and Frio season kind of, again, not to derail, but it wasn't as strong after that. It was really interesting to see the comparison yeah. to the year. So COVID yeah. is obviously an overarching thing, um, continuously, obviously, unfortunately. Mm. Um, but during, mm-hmm. during this season, a lot of the fixture had to change. It was on the fly. And internally, you had to be prepared to deal with whatever got thrown at you. And that included this what was meant to be a home game for you being moved to Witten Oval the day before it was actually happening um, to play Collingwood, who hadn't actually had to leave the state yet and didn't for the first eight weeks of the season. Uh, what had to happen in order to get this game moved at the last moment like it did from your, your perspective? Yeah, I mean, we'd, we'd had um, like our captain's run that morning yep. and there were some murmurings going around, you know, Collingwood hadn't got on their flight and um, things weren't, you know, looking good. But we were sort of maybe naively going, oh, but, you know, it's our home game. Nothing's going to, you know, happen for us. Yeah. So that was sort of the messaging that I'd given the girls before they all went off home. Like, you know, no, it's a video, be okay. And, you know, we're prepared for the home game. So, you know, all the tape is out, all the footies are out, all every single thing that you need for the game is is set up and it's there. And so then I got a call, uh, uh, probably a text message at 1.45, we need to have a Zoom catch up with you, two o'clock. And they just said, Brie, the game is being moved <laughs> and your flight is at this time and this time. And that's what's happening. And I was like, well, hang on, you know, surely we could all meet in Sydney or like, oh, and they're like, Brie, stop talking. <laughs> you must go now and do this. And that's what's happening. This is not a situation where there's like a debate about it. We've been all through that. This is what's got to happen. And I reckon they could see my face just like internally, like my head exploding or something because they're like, okay, you you got to go now. Bye. And my husband was obviously in the kitchen listening as to what was happening. And I've hung up. And I just started crying. I was like, why is this so hard? <laughs> and he's come in with a stiff drink and he's gone, here, drink this. You've got five minutes to cry and then you've got to get going. Yeah. And so that's what I did. I just got this drink and I was like, okay, right, what's got to happen? So, you know, like I said to you, you know, you're going to have plan B, C, D, E, whatever. So we just sort of put, you know, into place some things like a bit of a phone tree we got the leadership group on the call quickly right this is what's happening the staff on the phone right this is what's happening who can come down here and help me pack everything up I blessedly live two minutes from where we play and I'm just thinking how am I going to pack everything up anyway as you know true to who they are I'm down there and like eight of the staff show up. Some of them brought their partners, you know, to help just pack everything in. That was literally done within, you know, a couple of hours. And I'm, I'm doing flights and trying to book buses and property vans and things like that. And like, because of COVID at the airports, right, there's not much like rental trucks and things like that, that you can just book less than 24 hours out. Yeah. So because of the time difference too, all these places were sort of shut, you know, like to actually ring them at their offices. So you're getting someone, you know, in a call centre in the Philippines. And I'm like, I don't think you actually know if there's a truck there 
or not. So we end up having to book a 52-seater bus, a coach, as our property van <laughs> on top of the one, like, for the players because we just couldn't. I was like, you know what? I just can't think of anything else. We're just going to do this. We'll get this coach because about eight of us had to go early because um, there wasn't enough. It wasn't a chartered flight. It was still commercial flight. So the yeah. players came on a particular flight and all the staff and support crew, we went as sort of the the forward party to kind of get everything ready because there was not going to be enough time for the, like, literally the girls had to get there, get dressed, get warmed up and play. Whereas when we'd done a fly-in, fly-out with Richmond, we'd had about an hour's grace from landing. We took the girls to, like, a room where they could have something to eat and have a rest and whatever, and then they arrived, like, at their normal arrival time. So we roll into this coach, we take it out to get the property, but we're like, you know what, this is the best. This is the way to travel. Like there's eight of us all here to do all the heavy lifting instead of normally just like the property guy and one other person who helps. So we were just on this machine. Um, And then, you know, Western Bulldogs had done such a great job in trying to accommodate us in their rooms and, you know, it was equally as difficult for them to set up a ground under 24 hours um and they were in tassie so it wasn't even like they had all hands on deck to come and help as well but we walked into the rooms and i'm like oh this is very western bulldogs isn't it (laughs) like even though they'd they'd covered everything up and i was like right we need some tape and we need some chairs and we need some signs right let's go (laughs) and so we just you know made made it look as Brisbane as we could and um, and and more like our, our normal setup. And I was sort of a bit nervous when the girls were arriving because I hadn't actually gotten to see them or talk to them just to see what the mood was, what the vibe was. And, you know, they walk in and they're like, oh, you guys have done such a great job. This looks amazing. <laughs> and I was like, ah, right here, we've, we've got this. They're in the right headspace and... Um, that's, I guess, you know, testament to them. And, you know, I'll never forget that day. They all got and put their bags down and Emma called everybody into this. Bulldogs have got this, like, little meeting room just for the players. And I, I was just shutting the doors and I could hear her, you know, just say, right, we've got the chance to do something really special here today. And, and that's all I heard. I shut the door. Um, so I thought, oh, they're, they're right in this, you know, um, all the way so and we've been beaten by Collingwood badly in 2020 yeah um, that was the very first game with no crowd mm. in the whole COVID world and the AFL system so we'd sort of kind of been pantsed by them a bit and we we just sort of felt like oh we, we need to make a good show of this now so well and they'd been undefeated yeah. um, until that point as well so that yeah was a streak that you killed good yeah job. Um, the other thing, and I think Craig yeah. said this in his, <laughs> yep. in his um, press conference after the game, was that you're the first team to play three consecutive games out of their home state to win all three, um, which I think is a remarkable feat in itself. In a COVID year, yeah. moving at the last moment, and to just continue to bank those wins as well, that must have been really um, inflating, I guess. Mm. Oh, it, it's just a reward, reward for effort, I mm. guess, you know, um, like as an example with that Collingwood game the way that the schedule was we had 25 minutes to pack up and get on a bus and get to the airport so oh. that normally takes us you know 
X amount of time. So, you know, we um, had already had to do a similar schedule when we did the Richmond game because that was yep. a fly-in, fly-out. It wasn't as hectic as that. We had about 45 minutes, but we, and again, this is the beauty of, you know, having staff that have been with you for five years. Everybody knows where everything goes. Everybody helps everybody, but the girl, the, the players help pack the van, you know, chucking everything in, go, 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 go. So um, that 25 minute one at half time, you know, we'd already packed up 90% of the staff. Yeah, so wow. they're in one meeting room. All the staff are like getting pulling things off the walls and packing it all up, and um, that's what we're doing at half time. So, yeah, basic basically, while that if they go out to warm up, um, we've packed up everything basically that doesn't need to be used again until half time. Pack again, so you sort of do like three packs. But so those three trips on the road were all on timelines like that. You must so have been exhausted. That was hard. <laughs> <laughs> um we were but but like i said we we had good systems we had great people um everybody's attitude was just a you know can do um you know our directors traveled a lot with us they're in there helping deflating balls or pulling signs down like everybody i mean i guess that's what um not people like more about the girls footy than the boys footy it's just that if you are there to help, you can help. Whereas like, I guess in the boys, there's, there's somebody to do that one particular job. Whereas in girls, you know, we have a traveling staff of 13 people. Yeah. The boys probably have 20, you know, so 13 people have to do the same work as the, the 20 people. So everybody's just got such a broad skill set. So when that, those wins, and that's sort of what I mean about that all one in um, all in type um was we had to because yeah. we had 25 minutes to back up and haul ass to a um charter flight or whatever it was you know so they're they're just the things that um yeah make special moments i guess yeah and take a huge win home with you uh, speaking of home you you were meant to play a game at the gabba last year and obviously covid put a stop to that you played two mm-hmm. this year um, and the reception, obviously I wasn't there because I'm down in Melbourne, but the mm-hmm. watching on TV, it felt like there was a genuine home crowd there willing you on. What, what's the feeling of being able to play at the Gabba for the women's program? Because that's probably something that wasn't really on the horizon as a priority for a lot of people, maybe. Yeah. Um, people might not know, but like we don't train at the Gabba. We do our gym sessions at the Gabba, but we, we train somewhere else. Our men's team train their whole pre-season somewhere else and only get access to the Gabba a week before their season starts. So it's, you know, it's a game venue. It's not a training venue per se. Yeah. So for us, um, that lead in to the North game, we didn't even get a captain's run there. So wow. we had not set foot on there. Um for whatever six months i don't know since the last i don't know a photo shoot maybe i don't know so however the girls view that um venue as their spiritual home which is so weird but because they spend so much time there in the gym i guess and in the you know the offices and everything is there um 
they just couldn't wait to play there and to run them through that the race at the Gabba and the crowd and like all of their families were just sort of like right above the race. Um, yeah, it was pretty magic and it's a brilliant ground to play at and they they just got out there and were like, this is amazing and, and you know, we hadn't played North Melbourne until that point. We'd oh. never played them since they came into the comp. So we didn't know how we'd stack up against them either. You know, they were a bit of an unknown. And kind of to us, they'd always been so good on paper, you know, all the names that, that are in that team. Um, and it was a brilliant game of footy, but we'd walked away with that going, okay, cool, tick, you know, another one kind of who probably we'd always thought, oh, they'll be better than us, um, weren't, you know. Sorry, I shouldn't say we thought. I sort of always thought, oh, they'll probably get us. They're, they're a really strong team. Um, but, you know, the girls just loved playing there. And to see them, um, you know, the crowd and everybody coming and, you know, yeah, it was really lovely. And obviously you got to play the prelim there as well against Collingwood. And uh, obviously you're undefeated at that venue. So uh, maybe we'll keep that going. Yeah. <laughs> well who knows with the with the new season you know it's right in the thick of cricket so uh, yes um i don't think we'll even get thing. that venue for a grand final mm. ah, takes me we'll back to 2017 um, uh, those who shall not be named 2017 <laughs> not, not to be bitter on behalf of a team i don't follow but uh yeah um speaking <laughs> of grand finals it was your third take at a grand final it, your mm. first in two years uh, three years and the thing that really stood out, and I, I had the privilege of sitting in a press box so I could see the whole ground. Um, so you could see the structures that were set up and the little things that were being done way off the ball. And there were players like Talia Hickey and Jade Ellinger, who people probably wouldn't know if they walked past them on the street, but they were so crucial to that game and the structures that were set up. You conceded 44 inside 50s for three goals, which is just <laughs> remarkable and a testament to that back line mm. that you've got. And a lot of them are foundation players, mm. aren't they? Well, Kate, Bree and Emma, yeah. But then you had Indy in there um, and who else is down there? Nat Grider? I've totally gone blank. Nat Grider, sorry. She'll kill me for that. She's, she's well entrenched in their system. Oh, sorry. And Shannon Campbell, yes. the rock. I forgot about her. Yes, who always gets um, crunched. So, Shan, you've got down there as well. Oh, she just throws herself in ridiculous positions and saves so many goals. Um, she's just, yeah, unstoppable. But the the combination of them, of them all together, um, now that they have played so so many times together, is is fantastic. So, and I think Brie Conan gets massively undersold as well. I think this was her best season, breakout season for her. She, she um, went going back to that Adelaide game, um, she learned so much from playing on Erin Phillips when Erin went forward. Mm -hmm. um, she just came away from that going, oh, mm -hmm. okay, I get it now. I, I get how the really good forwards play. And from that game, I reckon she just went um, to another level and just no one sort of got the better of her after that. I don't, I don't think an opponent beat her. After she, that game, she so. kept Chloe Malloy goalless twice after that, and then obviously she kept Aaron goalless yeah. in that grand final, which was huge. That's a yeah. huge feat that no one yeah. else has done. Yeah, yeah. So um, they they've got their their little ways down there, the back line. They're very all you know down at earth, salt of the earth people. Will you know run over hot coals for each other? So 
you know, it's, it's hard to talk about them individually because they just work as a unit so well together. Um, so I guess that's what they've, they've tried really hard to do is just become really difficult to play against. And there was a moment, obviously we talk about the senior players and, and Kate Luckin's obviously winning the best on ground medal, but there was a moment in the second half where Indy Tahu took a remarkable one-handed mark in a genuine one-on-one contest. And that was a sign for everyone, I think, that, oh, it's not just the older players that can do this. It's the younger ones too. And that, I think, made it terrifying but also really exciting for everyone in the AFLW world. I mean, she she's a great story, Indy. You know, um, I, I don't know if you know much about her, but she um, was born in Queensland parents sort of split up dad went to move to Adelaide and she was grew up in remote Queensland and when it came time to go to high school she went to Adelaide to live with him so when she would finish high school she came back back to live with mum and um so obviously wasn't going to get um recruited by Adelaide and um she she actually had called the sons to say hey moving to the Gold Coast you know what do you think and they were sort of like look thanks but no thanks we've we've got some other plans so by coincidence, a friend that I know who coached her in Adelaide rang me to say, hey, just letting you know, the sons have passed on her. What do you think? And I, I just Googled her and looked at her. I was like, uh, hello. Yes, we'll have you. Thank you. <laughs> um, and then the first time I saw her in the flesh, I was like, oh, my God. This is a like just her hands are massive. Like she's just an athlete, you know, just the way she walks and moves and um, we, we, behind her back, we call her the beast. Um, <laughs> but she, she's a phenomenal athlete, right? So to get her and, you know, sliding doors moments, poor Lily Post does her knee in um, the Adelaide game earlier in the year, which slides um, into, the, into that position. Shani Webb, who's normally a stalwart in the back, is pregnant. And all of a sudden, Indy gets her chance and just doesn't look back. And sometimes you watch her play and I honestly I swear there's like that like music just playing in her head you think is she watching does she know what's going on because she's just so cool calm you're like do you think she knows there's like a point in this you know there's just no urgency about it that's why we say she's got ice in her veins so then she just goes and does stuff like that and it looks like it's effortless right what she does effortless so we we just love her. She's our little our little baby in our team. And um, but then she goes and plays like that. And you're like, oh man, she's <laughs> she's just going to be something special. So um, yeah, we just love watching her do the crazy stuff that she does. And she's a you know ex rugby girl as well. So her tackling technique is un- unbelievable. And you're not never going to get away from her. So yeah. When she does stuff like that in the grand final, you think, geez, what's the next 10 years going to be like? Oh, man, it, it is incredibly exciting. There's one other player, obviously, uh, that I would like to touch on before we wrap this one up. But obviously, Courtney Hodder's goal is something that we've all spoken about. We've all watched it 600 times and we'll probably watch it 600 more times. Um, incredible <laughs> goal. But Jess Wushner, um obviously has had a rough couple of years. She had a Mm -hmm. slower start to this season, wasn't in the side. um, And from all reports, that was based on just there just being no position in the side for her with a lot of those young players in. Mm. She worked hard to get into the side and then didn't lose her spot. And in the grand final, she showed 
why she kicked two mm. goals, two very important goals, and and has kicked the most goals in finals in AFLW history. She kicked eight, mm. six of those in grand finals. Um, no mm. other player has kicked multiple goals in grand finals be- in multiple grand finals before. Um, what was it like seeing Jess do that on that grand final day after knowing what she'd been through? Oh, there she is. There's our Jess. <laughs> Because that's what she's a big game player. She's like Clark Keating. She's Mrs. September, you know. She, um, for all that happens with her off field, and, you know, she's very open about her mental health. When the pressure's on, that is someone in a game who just stands up, doesn't crack, or is almost like just give me more sort of thing, um, and does that, what she did on grand final day. So it, it was so just nice to see that come out of her again almost that cockiness and that you know she's got so much swag and what she does and just to see that you know like oh you know that was really lovely that she was going to be able to cap off the end of that season feeling that um doing her best work I suppose yeah totally it was wonderful to watch I mean that goal she kicked around the corner glorious that the ball just turned away that ball shouldn't turn now uh, let's she's a magician <laughs> let's uh let's wrap this one up i just want to ask you one final question the moment that siren went on grand final day what was the overarching emotion that went through you it was funny because i knew i'd been looking at the score you know and i was like oh i think i think we've got it like have we won this game but having felt the disappointment of the previous two, I sort of was like, I don't know. I'm just going to wait sort of till the siren, I guess. And um, Nicole Livingston actually took a video of me from where she was sitting when the siren goes. And it, it was just, you know, just yes, 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 yes. We've, we've done it. We've, we've come here to Adelaide. <laughs> against all I mean the crowd that day you know they just couldn't get into the game you know we were just every time they got a little run on you could hear that energy in the crowd you know bubbling away and then we'd get them and we'd turn the ball back over and back and it would just quieten down again so that the vibe of the game you know and the crowd kind of never really got going I mean the the 300 poor Brisbane people were going off their heads as much (laughs) as they could but you you could feel that if if Adelaide had got a run on for any length of time, that crowd could have possibly overwhelmed the girls a bit because, you know, the time that they did score or they did do really good things, it was really, really loud. Yeah. And so I felt like, I felt that moment, you know, it would have, it would have been great to hear all 22,000 of them cheer for us, but <laughs> we, we couldn't really hear anything anyway, I guess. But um, that, that moment was just, it was... I've played in some grand finals before, you know, at shit kickers level, but never, it's always been like that ultimate like relief, like, oh, that's over. This one for me was just, I was just so happy, like for Emma to go out that way, for Lauren to go out that way, for some of these kids, like we had 11 girls under 22 playing in that grand final. So to think, okay, 11 of these girls are going to be with us, you know, for maybe another 10 years, just, you know, 
it was just like, just how good, how good is life? How good is this game? How good is this day? You know, it sort of felt like Christmas day the whole day. And it was the best sort of like, um, yeah, I don't know. It was just, um, you couldn't really describe it. It was, yeah, euphoric is, is too low of a word, I guess. Yeah, It was su- super just awesome. And, you know, for Craig, and for everyone, our high performance managers, for our trainers, for everybody who's put in, you know, our doctor, like, you know, everyone was crying. We were all so emotional. It was like just so, yeah, just so happy. It was such a, it was the most fun grand final I've watched in a very long time because um, it was tight, but it was also just a really great display of footy. And then also, you know, you love an underdog story, right? Yeah, I mean, that was the thing too. Like, I, I didn't realise we'd kicked 6-0 until, yeah. like, probably a couple, couple of days later. Um, so even knowing, you know, like, I've gone back and watched the game, you know, 100 times. <laughs> Sometimes I text the girls on a Tuesday, hey, it's Tuesday night, we just won the grand final, how good. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but, like, the game itself was just awesome. It was such yeah. a great game of footy. I mean, Maybe I wouldn't be saying that if we had lost, you know, but, you know, Adelaide just, you know, you know, but between us and Adelaide, you know, we've, we've both now played in, in three grand finals. They've, they've won two, we've won one. Um, you know, I think for two interstate clubs that probably started out, you know, in 2017 when people thought we'd both be hopeless mm-hmm. to be where we are both now, our program's strong, great lists, you know, footy's growing incredibly well in both of our states. It's pretty awesome um, to think, you know, that that we both did that um, when you've got all these amazing, you know, Victorian clubs who haven't quite, you know, managed to get those, I suppose, the magic pieces of the puzzle yet, which is fine by us. I'm, I'm happy with that. Um, we're, we're happy to keep playing, playing grand finals, but it's... Um, I just think it's good because we've we've got the chance in AFLW to like truly be national, yeah, and and not be as Victorian focused. And uh, and I think you know, um, the way that the, the comp results have have landed have kind of probably helped. That you know, Frio's been on a good run as well the last couple of years. They're they're just going from strength to strength, and um, yeah, I, I just think it's it's pretty cool when you think of the reverse of what it could could have been like, where we could have been dominated by Victorian teams. Well, that's the thing as well, is that, you know, you and Adelaide are building a genuine AFLW rivalry as well, which is what we want to see. We don't want to see a manufactured rivalry based on history and men's football. You're building a rivalry mm. based on games against one another, finals against one another, and it's so fun. It's so fun because we really, I mean... We're, we're friends with Adelaide. We like Adelaide. We don't, we don't, um, there's no like nitty gritty or anything in there. We've probably got other teams that we internally have more, you know, rival rivalry with. Um, but they're, you know, for us, they're the, been the benchmark and, you know, we lost to them in that first grand final. So it's always been like, well, after that, we've got to beat Adelaide, got to beat Adelaide. And I don't even know where I might. It might be to all or whatever in the regular season. I can't even remember. The first time um, you lost to them in a regular season was this year in that round four game. You'd never lost yeah, to them in a home and yeah. away season before. Yeah. So, because we were always trying to get revenge on that um, <laughs> first grand final last to see. 
but you know, there's things, things, it's funny things like that. We still haven't lost a first round game. Yeah. Five seasons and we've always won our opening match. So we, that's, that's a big one for us. Start well. <laughs> um, so we like, like that's a little thing that, you know, we always um, pride ourselves on that, but we've been totally crap sometimes in practice games, which has only been two weeks before it, you know? So um, that, that rivalry with GWS, we've always sort of thought, oh, like we're, you know, interstate club, but you know, we're mates. But they're like, no, we hate you guys because you, we cream you in the practice matches. But then in the home and away season, we, we can't beat you. So there's funny things like that through, through the comp. But, um, yeah, starting strong is a big one for us. Those first four rounds is always really important. The GWS one is funny because if anyone's read Georgina Hibbard's book, Never Surrender, about the Giants' season last year, there's a big part about their, um, I wouldn't say contempt for, but desire to beat the Brisbane Lions. Um, so I would recommend <laughs> going and reading that book if anyone's interested. Um, I just wanted to say congratulations on such a an incredible, not just winning a grand final, but the season you've d- created off the back of some really difficult challenges, both with list management and COVID situations and being a non-Victorian club that doesn't really get much attention. It's been a joy to watch the Lions progress through the past couple of years and develop a side with, you know, everyone's favourite players and, and things like that. So just a massive congratulations. And also thank you so much for talking to me. <laughs> Oh, no worries. We can talk footy all day. But, oh, look, we we just, we're loving what we're doing. Um, The premiership was just, you know, the ultimate reward for the girls. And like I said, our side's still super young. And um, it's it's just going to be so much fun this next season and the years to come um, because they're a great group of girls. And and, um, we get a lot of energy out of the players, obviously, to keep us inspired and and to keep coming back and find different ways to challenge them but it's super fun and we really appreciate all the stuff that you do and just how well you cover the game and you know it's um very much appreciated from not just us but the players as well that makes so keep going (laughs) thank you so much (laughs) (laughs) thank you you know it's it's part of our jobs and what we get paid to do this this is stuff that that you um you know, love to do just because you love to do it. So, um, yeah, it's it really helps to paint the picture of what we're doing when we've got people like you speaking so well about it. Oh, I'm going to replay that moment in my head constantly for the next two weeks just to make myself happy. Thank you, Brie. <laughs> um, I'll let you go now and enjoy your holiday. <laughs> my pleasure. Um, I've very much enjoyed chatting to you. And what I'm taking away from this is that the Lions are going to be gunning to be the first AFLW side to win back-to-back premierships. That's what I'm learning here. Oh, God. It's a lot of pressure. We're just going to go and play well and see what happens. (laughs) And uh, scare every other team in the comp. Um, Thank you for for chatting, everyone. This has been Bree Brock, the women's CEO of the Brisbane Lions. This has been an episode of I See It But I Don't Believe It. I'm Gemma Bastiani. Find us on social media and uh, keep following the AFLW and get excited for this December season because it's going to be wild. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.